I'm Taffer. I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, the show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on, and the indigenous communities of that area. This week we're talking about a TV show. We are exploring like other yeah mediums, I guess. Um, And we're going to be talking about a a sensational Netflix series uh, called Sex Education. Uh, So a series that came out uh, in 2019, uh, has three seasons. It's a British show. Uh, It was created by a person named Laurie Nunn. And folks... If you haven't heard about this show, jump on it. It is so much fun. Tefer, what? when did you discover Sex Education? Oh, I think we started watching it pretty soon after it, it came. Like, I definitely watched the first season and then the second season and then the third season as they came out. And I think I went into it, like, not, like, I think it took, like, a little bit of getting started like we're sort of had it on the back mm-hmm. burner for a while and we're like eh, eh. and then watch the first like watch the trailer and was just like or not the trailer you know it's very early we are recording this early on a sunday morning folks so that's the croakiness and that's the vagueness <laughs> yeah, but it's nice it's nice to talk to you first thing in the morning about a nice tv show anyway Thank you. i agree watch the trailer or the pilot i keep saying trailer when i mean pilot we watched the pilot totally hooked and have been binging the show ever since um and so i just finished the third season because it, it just came out and it was renewed for a fourth yeah. season so damn fast it <laughs> was i mean i think that like my fear with this show so the the premise is like you're following the stories of like a bunch of teenagers who live in like the an odd kind of countryside environment in the uk somewhere and they still end up going to like a high school that looks like 10 things about use high school, which is probably like a college campus. And like, it's so fun. These characters look, it starts off with uh, some students having issues with uh, their sexuality. And um, one of the students, his mother is a sex therapist. Now, as a budding sexologist, this is like the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life, especially because she's played by Gillian Anderson. Um, And I think that in all honesty, I got hooked when I saw Gillian Anderson. Well, yeah. I mean, I can't blame you there. (laughs) She is so hot in this. It is outstanding. Um, Like, she plays this like very reserved kind of like very conservative looking sex therapist who's actually like every ounce of information that she gives is so good um and like clearly this is like an evidence-based uh tv show which is amazing and 
and it's so cool. She's just, and she's, she oozes sexiness. Like she's yeah. like in her forties, like skin's a little bit looser, but like the confident, not, but, and the confidence, like, I'm just, wow. Yeah. Like Jillian Anderson has always been able to get it, but she can especially get it right now. I think, um, holy cannoli. And all the jumpsuits, so many, so many exquisite jumpsuits this woman wears. Just jumpsuit after jumpsuit. And as a self-professed jumpsuit queer, that detail makes my little heart go pity pat. Jillian Anderson. So Jillian Anderson on the show has been a bit of a revelation for me because Mm -hmm. I'm so used to consuming YA media, right? Like we consume so much YA media (laughs) and we think so much about parental interaction and so much about like adult and youth interaction. Um, And when I watch Sex Education, it's the first experience of me being like, oh, the character I relate to on this show is Gillian Anderson's character. Like the (laughs) the character I relate to the most on this show is Jean, who is trying so hard to take all her expertise that she has and apply it to her child and is just having like a lot of trouble, honestly, with with that transition from being a therapist who helps a lot of people and being a parent who is parenting her specific child. Um, And especially as somebody who's like extremely nerdy, gathers a lot of information. Like I, you know, when I was going to become a parent, I was going to learn all the parenting theory. Like that's just the way, Mm. the way I am. (laughs) I feel skewered over and over and over. (laughs) But it's very sympathetic. It's such a good point. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) She is a super sympathetic character. Like, I find that there's something there about, like, when I started studying sexology, like, the comments were, I mean, mainly from from a certain demographic that we shall not name. And it was very much like, oh, you, you study sex. So, like, that means you must be having a ton of sex. And, like, you must be super sexy and stuff like that. And I was like, man, the cobbler's children has no shoes I'm doing this to heal my own crap Um, but like it's super nice to see that she's not this perfect character yeah she's very flawed but very endearing um and and the maturity that she imparts on um her son uh, the character's name is Otis Milburn uh, played by I don't know how to pronounce this pronounce this Asia Asia Butterfield. Anyways, um, he's lovely and clearly being raised correctly by this flawed individual with all of this theory who then realizes that like the application of theory is definitely never as smooth as one intends it to be. <laughs> um, and I think that like the academic portion of the world needs to remember that also. Yeah. And and it's nice. They kind of it shatters this like ivory tower myth. And even her own evolution through the the storylines, uh, she meets this like not as educated man who is Swedish and covered in tattoos, and who is my revelation of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, uh, Michael Persbrandt. He mm-hmm. plays a uh, Jakob Nyman. Mm-hmm. Jakob is like the greatest. Yes, he is 
so hot. And I'm realizing that we're talking about a YA show and we're really just talking about the parents, but that's okay. He's so goddamn hot. He's just so who I want to be when I grow up, I guess. Yeah. Like, just very loose and open and honest and uh, kind of a you know, a bull in an antique store. Like, I think that it's okay to, it's okay to accept that, those parts, those clumsy parts of ourselves. And I just, he can get it. Oh, any day. Um, I actually, I in season three, we see a lot of Jakob's character sort of uh, uh, progression. He gets more of his own personal storyline. Um, and over the course of the show, like, Watching season three got me really thinking about his character arc over the course of the show. Because I feel like in the first season when we first meet him, mm-hmm. we get this sense that he, like, at least for me, he didn't strike me as your, like, average handyman, rough around the edges, uneducated. You know, he he can hold his own with Gene in conversation. True. He's Swedish, which just makes him seem a little more cultured. Like, there's, <laughs> there's, something, about, there's something about being... Scandinavian that like if you meet a Scandinavian you're just like oh this person has a PhD like I don't care if the the Scandinavian's six years old you're gonna be like this child has a Mm -hmm. PhD like there's just something about the Scandinavian uh poise that makes you just be like all right I will listen to you yes (laughs) very much very commanding and seeing his character develop and certainly like some elements coming out in season three Where you're like, yeah. where we, along with Gene, have this moment of like, oh, this is a real person. This is a real, whole, fleshed out person with foibles and flaws and also, yes. you know, feelings and a heart and somebody who can be wounded. And that character arc is really compelling. Um, and Absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what happens in the next season because they sure did set that one up. Um, Absolutely. But should we talk about the Utes? I think we should, but I want to make just like one final point as we close out the old people on the show who are 10 yes. years older than me. Um, uh, not 10 years, I guess they're 20. Anyway, I the thing that is so compelling about the show is that it it makes it clear that everybody has sex. Like... There's, we spend a lot of time on the sex lives of teenagers, and of course we're going to talk about that, but we also see older people having sex and enjoying sex and having casual sex and having committed sex and having just, um, like, masturbating, and it's really, really refreshing to see this, a, a quote-unquote teen sex show that makes it very clear that sex is not for teenage, not just for teenagers, Um, but is for everybody and sex is just part of life that develops and changes with you it's not sort of something you learn when you're young and then you have a formula and you keep going you know yeah and even like regarding like asexuality it's like the relationships that the youths are having and the issues that they're having are mirrored in the adults and I think that's a really important message because I think that as a young as young people, like, I used to think, like, adults had it all figured out, like, when it came to everything. I'm now realizing that was the biggest sham, like, I was completely bamboozled. Um, (laughs) 
because none of us know what the hell we're doing. And that is also the most comforting thing in the world. Yeah. There is something really incredible about being able to say, like, you're going to keep learning your entire life. There is no destination. It truly is about, like, well, are you doing things for yourself? Are you exploring your own life? Are you not? Are you fulfilling your own objectives? And that's super interesting, which makes this show really nice for parents to watch, maybe yes. not with their kids because it would be awkward. But <laughs> I think that um, a lot of parents should be watching this show uh, just to remind them a little bit mm-hmm. that, like, you know, they put their pants on uh, just like everybody else, hopefully one leg at a time backwards and falling over (laughs) and we get to see like we get to see some like post-divorce stuff that's really satisfying Mm. I mean obviously that's something I look for as a young divorcee Um, Mm -hmm. but we get to see people sort of coming out of long-term relationships and figuring out what they want next Um, we see that with Jean even although her her separation is much further back I find we were going to talk about the kids and we're going to I find Jean's trust issues very compellingly written um that's another part of it that skewers me on the regular but the fact that Jean knows so much about relationships and yet um continually makes the same not the same mistakes but has the defense mechanisms preventing her from getting what she wants um yes is just it's just so nice. It's just so nice to see nuance. But we should talk about the teenagers because they're the the main part of this show. And um, they're yes. First of all, holy representation, Batman! Like they really, really. <laughs> it's thoughtful. It's intentional. The scene with Maeve and Jacob in or Isaac, Jacob, what? Maeve and Isaac in season three. Yes, is one of the hottest scenes in the show period mm-hmm. <laughs> in my opinion do you want to give a little bit um, of context yeah i'll give for... a little bit of so so in uh season two mave who's one of the main characters uh she's otis's sort of love interest with many roadblocks um she meets this guy named isaac in her uh in her trailer park he moves in like next door or something and they become good friends first and then uh, sort of explore becoming more and Isaac uses a wheelchair and is uh, partially paralyzed and is just always depicted as hot and mysterious and and broody and he's an artist and when they hook up uh, there's a scene of them sort of negotiating what he likes and what she wants and and what the you know mechanics are going to be and it's just so sensitively done and it's so hot it's it's so hot yes please more hot disabled sex on tv it's it's so good if I may um, interject, uh, there has been more and more, and I'm quite excited to see this. Like I've seen some uh, some sex, some really hot sex with someone with disabilities in the L word generation Q as well. Okay. And it's like it seems like we're we're realizing all of a sudden that like the, someone's disabilities does not affect their attractiveness does not affect uh you know their their desire and it's real and the fact that like folks with disabilities have fully wonderful relationships and partners who love having sex with them or not and some of them are polyamorous and some of them are assholes what i'm saying is just people with disabilities are humans yeah (laughs) shocking 
it's like audible gasp and i love that that's so brilliant Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's and it's so refreshing. There's also great represent. Ooh, go ahead. Yes, sorry, yes, yes. I was go just ahead. saying it's so refreshing, and um, I really like that Isaac is. He is a full character. He has flaws. He fucks up. He's unkind, but he's also very kind. It's just you know he's a teenage guy, like and, who just happens yeah. to use a mobility aid, um, and that's refreshing yes. representation. <laughs> Unfortunately, is that hot, is refreshing representation. He's so hot. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot of hot okay. people in this show. Yes. And I think that it is important to disclaim that, like, listen, the entire cast can get it. And they're all above the age of 18, so I feel comfortable <laughs> saying that. Um, because, and I, I think it's important for me to say it now, because otherwise uh, the rest of the episode is just me going to say, yeah, it's just me who's going to be saying, like, can get it, can get it, can get it, can get it. It's like one of those. They are adorable. It's like one of those religious, like, you know, when you, you're in, I don't know, when you go to church, I'm sure other people do this too, where like the, the speaker says one thing and then the congregation responds. It's going to be like, and on this character, he can get it. And on this character, she can get it. <laughs> and on this character, they can get it. Just through the rest of the episode. I love that so much. <laughs> so okay, may so it be. Let's, yeah, that's it. Let's um, let's maybe talk about, like, let, let's talk about Otis a little bit. He is actually not my favorite character, um, which I think is fitting. Uh, very much of a Dawson's Creek situation. Um <laughs> You know, Pacey's so much better. Um, so, you know, Otis Milburn is a typical teenager who starts a sex clinic <laughs> in, like, his high school yeah. using all the crap he's learned from his mother, which I think is amazing because he's learned a lot of great things, including how to do, like, psychoanal- like psychoanalysis, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, but the really interesting part, I find, is that in season one, he's questioning if he is someone who feels sexual feelings. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of questioning about is he asexual or not. And and I found that really compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something about that where, like, uh, the, the, the notion of being on time with development and seeing everyone around you sort of be really interested and things like that. And then sort of going your own way. And trying to figure it out and taking time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the lovely part about Otis. Like, obviously, I was very happy when they brought him, they knocked him down a peg and brought him back to being a bit of a teenager. Um, that was very helpful because I was like, no 17-year-old has it like this, mm-hmm. has it together like this, mm-hmm. you know? So that's my Otis take. Yeah, I think Otis isn't anybody's favorite character with apologies to uh, Aja or Aja because he does a good job um, and he's very good mm-hmm. at acting his character. Like mm-hmm. the the character itself is well written and well acted and he's but he's sort of a foil. You know, Otis is sort of the person that we end up seeing the stories through more than yes. he is like the drama most of the time. Yep. But he has a big heart and like the nice yes. thing is seeing how hard he's trying and how hard he's trying to care. Um and he's also like I feel like it it's it's sort of important to have him there as a little straight white cis boy because he has to learn the lessons. Like Otis becomes the person who sees things and like Oh, well, I guess Adam does as well. Anyway, this isn't mm. a point. Otis is fine. Let's talk about Eric. 
<laughs> Thank you. Finally, we get to the pacey of the show. Um, okay. Eric F. Young is the revelation of this TV series. Yeah. Um, and I am willing to die on that hill. Um, Nkuti Gatwa is an absolute genius. Um, so Eric is a Nigerian queer person. Um, he's a queer man who is out and who is himself and who is bold and endearing and hilarious and the greatest queer character. He definitely my favorite, definitely my favorite character of this entire series of possibly of life. I love him like I love a warm croissant on a Saturday morning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just so well moisturized. <laughs> um, also, his makeup game is exceptional. Um, his clothing there's no dimming of the light of this character mm -hmm. and the casting was impeccable mm -hmm. this is a character who gets bullied for being out and like for playing play like the french horn or like the trumpet Anyways, and he's just he is anyone who struggles i think with folks on the lgbtq plus uh train i shall say um their heart is instantly on board um like all aboard mm -hmm. once you meet this character it is impossible to not fall in love mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's sorry beautiful. i've been holding that back and he's so goddamn he's beautiful so beautiful and and the clothes he wears are beautiful he's just this beautiful splash of color and shout out to the uh, costume design because um, I, I have to say, like, whoever designs the clothes for this character is brilliant. Like, I think that there is this, like, it's so African mm. and it's so, like, second generation immigrant. Like, it's like you're proud of your heritage and you love the colors and the patterns and, 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 this ability to wear it out there and wear it with pride and it's just this sense of like a sense of it's a character who has such a sense of self yeah that everything that kind of is peppered around this character becomes instantly like what you want the entire show to be about yeah and um, and there's an episode where he dresses up as head uh, as the, the he dresses up to go to a Hedwig mm -hmm. uh, show and that dragification threw me on the ground that entire episode i had forgotten that episode but the final shot of that where he's walking home mm -hmm. in the dark with his mm -hmm. costume kind of unraveling and it's it's mm -hmm. a scene with like a lot of fear and anxiety that shot is like a shot that has stuck with me ever since seeing it like mm -hmm. it's so it's so beautiful and evocative and emotional I want to mm -hmm. give, while we're talking about Eric's costuming, a shout out to the particular mouth-watering tangerine shade <laughs> of of um, the clothes that he wears to the wedding in season three and then wears again later. Uh, because first of all, that color 
on that actor. Oh boy, <coughs> that is beautiful. Looks so good. Yes. So good. Yes. Orange is such a bold color. Orange is such a color of confidence, um, especially yes. like that striking shade of it. Um, I don't know. It was just that was that was a. <sighs> It was an inspired <laughs> choice. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. how do you feel? What's your take on the whole Eric Adams storyline? Because this is a controversial storyline. It is a very controversial storyline. Um, my take is that um, I was really uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was always something awkward about it for me. But then I also realized that so Adam Groff is a complex character um, and definitely a, a lovable character, but a complex character as in is discovering his uh, queerness and uh, is angry. Yeah. Uh, and he's just so angry and he's a bully and he's dreadful, but you also have so much empathy for him because of what he goes through at home and also because of what he goes through in his head. So it it definitely made it complicated, but I think that I based myself as I think I would try to in my professional practice as well on what the actual, on on Eric's needs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Eric feels the way he feels. And that's okay. And and perhaps that is a storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't feel it's a realistic one. But um, but perhaps you know that that encourages me to take a second look at people and maybe not judge as harshly. <laughs> I do think. I mean, we've talked about Eric as he is in in the second and especially the third season as being very mm-hmm. confident and very out. But in the first season. He's out at school and he's proud of who he is, but he is getting bullied terribly. He's not out to his family yet. Um, He does start in a less secure place. Eric isn't a character who is sort of born with that full-formed queer security, um, Mm -hmm. which thankfully some children in the upcoming generations are, which is a beautiful thing. I have to remember that he came from that place of insecurity when I think about the storyline with Adam. Yeah. Um, and also the idea that that possibly Adam is the first sign he had of there being other queer kids at his school, mm-hmm. which is tragic, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm very uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable with the storyline as well. But I find that so the storyline I haven't given context for this is that Adam was Eric's primary bully. And at the end of season two, um they get together and I feel like that is enough out there on the internet that I don't feel bad spoiling it um yes <laughs> and I was hoping to see it treated a little more directly in season three um because we do see mm-hmm. Adam addressed in season three we learn a lot more about Adam's family you actually get sympathy for Adam's father which is I know we weren't going to talk about yep. adults anymore but like oh wow that storyline surprised and also tugged my heartstrings in a big way. Yes. Um, which is just what they keep doing. They just keep doing yes. Um But I did really like, there was a, there was a theme in season three with Eric, um, also with Maeve, uh, and also with Amy, mm-hmm. and also with, I mean, really just with everybody, with Ola, with, um, with Viv, of characters saying, 
this might be a fine thing, but it doesn't serve me. Mm. And seeing that in as as like not just one person's storyline, but as a theme in a season mm-hmm. of a teen show was so exciting to me. Like there, we saw so many relationships defined around the individual's needs. Um, yeah. And so much compassionate boundary setting. Yes. Which is really special. That is really special. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that that's a really good point. There's some great modeling in this TV show. If you're a parent um, or a teacher uh, and listening to this, uh, may I suggest this is a show that really like you youths can watch by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they really don't need any hand-holding, but it's a great show if you know that you're a uh, kid or your students are watching this at least you know they're learning some some very proper stuff and it's it's incredible modeling mm-hmm. the show is basically great modeling mm-hmm. from start to end mm-hmm. yeah oh and cam I, or cal i forgot about cal in that cal is also yes. very prominently in that thank you so i would like to i would like for us to talk about cal just a tiny little bit um cal Cal is a non-binary student who comes to school uh in the beginning of season three and the the storyline in season three is very complex because it reflects the times that we live in and this rise of like fascism and authoritarianism (laughs) and um yeah (laughs) that kind of like knocked me in the face and like shout out to Jemima Kirk who uh used to be on like a very popular uh Australian teen tv show uh let me yes I think it's very very important for folks to notice it um she was in well, she was in Girls, very importantly. Oh, yeah. I knew I knew her from yeah. somewhere. And I'm actually going to take that back. I am wrong about her being in a teen TV show. I was thinking about Girls. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the, Which, yeah. the Girls to Draconic school headmaster pipeline is highly believable yes yeah oh yes um yeah so she's 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 great and she's she's a wonderful dolores umbridge let's just let's just name that but yeah so it was it was season three is is complex in so many ways i found and they managed to finagle it really really well um yeah Shall we talk a little bit about um shall we talk a little bit about Maeve? I think Maeve deserves like a little bit of love. Um Maeve Wiley is uh played by Emma Mackey and she is a brilliant student to whom life has dealt the shittiest hand. Mm-hmm. And uh which actually I think is really nice representation. Um because it just like Maeve's story is not just, uh, I don't want to peg her as like a, a trauma character, but she is a character who has been through it, mm-hmm. you know, and and she has a, a lot of issues surrounding class. And, and that's so important to talk about. Um, and even though she is the, two, the 
you know, whatever era we're in's version of the Manic Pixie Girl. Um, the fact that they made her so smart and so, like, and so big-hearted. Yeah. And so brave mm-hmm. to stand up for herself and to want for herself. And, yeah, she, she truly is a beautiful character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's... Yeah. um. She's she's like a I, I'm saying I feel like I'm think, saying like difficult or challenging character for me a little bit because I, mm. I I'm I'm so sympathetic to her and I want to wrap her up in blankets and seeing her finally she finally starts to get some of the things that she really deserves to have uh, because yeah. she is a child and she deserves to be cared for um not because she works hard but simply because everybody deserves these things um but i really hope they keep going with that in the next season i really hope we get to see her bloom because she just kind of keeps getting kicked like mave is this character who every time she starts to get a little hope for something good something bad happens just just over and over and over again and every time she feels like she is finally able to trust somebody they disappoint her which is partly because the people that she is going to for care are other teenagers because she doesn't have any responsible adults looking out for her couldn't have put it any better (laughs) myself i think that's like the perfect summary (laughs) and it's really hard um but you know, it, she's one of those characters that I find challenging because I see her handling things with all this poise and all this grace, and she really should not have to. The part where she and her best friend decide to be each other's moms broke me. Same. Yeah. Um, Same. So, speaking of parents, though, the one thing in season three that did not compute for me and really kind of took me out of the storyline um at this school where the fuck are the parents like I had so much trouble because I think because I have a kid in school I had so much Mm. trouble and I've been on those Facebook groups um believing that all this shit was going on at the school and and no parents were like writing the board and going what the fuck is going on the uh, like yeah like the storyline because like the idea was that when it was branded the sex school everybody was mad and the parents were mad and the community was mad and i'm just kind of like we see a lot of kids with a lot of emotional maturity navigating their queerness really well i find it very hard to believe that not one of their parents is calling up the mm. school and going, why do we have uniforms? We're going... That's a very good point. Why are there lanes in the hallway now? How is this addressing this problem? And even the way it, the school thing, I don't want to give this away, but even the way the school thing resolves at the end didn't make sense to me because they're talking about it in terms of donors, which I understand is a thing, but I thought this was a public school. Um, and also... Where are the parents? Like, where where are the parents? There aren't any, like, why isn't Jean, I mean, Jean, we know why she isn't going, because she is overwhelmed by her personal life. Yeah. Um, I just, that was, Holy. that, that was the one thing that just kind of took me out of this season. I find that really interesting, because at the same time, I feel like I went to a similar high school. Mm. Um, with like very precocious folks and um, who were very smart and 
I think there gets there comes a point where I'm not gonna say parents kind of give up, hmm. but I think that there comes a point where you're trying to save as much of the <laughs> you're trying to save as much as much of your energy as you can. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of what's happening is happening outside of the sphere of adults. Yeah. Um, so when it does get to the adults, it becomes a bit complicated for them to actually intervene, mm-hmm. um, which is why the the importance of of you know of, of the headmaster and the the well and the headmistress uh, in season three, but and the teachers like there are a few there's like some good examples of good teachers mm-hmm. in the in the story as well and and some 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 examples of very poor teachers as yeah. well <laughs> like poor teaching as well and i think that uh, i think a lot of adults look at teens and they go like okay, look, uh, you got to do stuff, but stay out of my way because I need to catch up for the past 13 years where I've been caring for you very intensely. Um, And you can sort of reason, and there are enough mechanisms in place around you to keep you safe. So, like, go forth and do your thing, and I'll do my thing and try to, you know, work capitalism to my benefit or something like that do you know what I mean oh no yeah I do that's very compelling my children aren't 13 yet but I'm gonna be exhausted when they are (laughs) (laughs) I just pictured your children at 13 and I'm very excited for that moment oh my god Rhea's gonna be 13 so soon before you know it (laughs) before you know it a whole thing um yeah Yeah. I guess I feel like a lot of the parents of queer like it because it's now like, I feel like this would be believable mm-hmm. when we were in high school. But just, mm-hmm. like, I'm thinking about all the parents of queer youth I know who are just, like, yeah. calling this... I It just makes me sad. I mean, especially with Cal's character. Yeah. I just kept thinking, yeah. like, like, yes, I understand that many, many, many non-binary kids do not have parents who know that they are non-binary yeah. and do not have parents who are going to protect their identity. But I just, I wanted Cal to have some furious parent show up at the school and just just dress everyone down. That is something I was hoping for through the whole season. It was mm-hmm. like, I hope Cal has some like very wealthy, powerful parent who is just going to put the fear of God in everybody. And I was... <laughs> You know, I mean, that's something I hope for every queer kid, right? That's something I want every queer child to have. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I hope I hope that, you know, happens at some point because the only parents we see are Jean and Maureen. And you know what? Okay, now I'm like talking myself into this point because they are both loving parents who are just very caught up in their own shit. Yes. (sighs) So maybe that's the message we take away. Yeah. (laughs) Adults have stuff going on at the same time. Yeah. And now we are the adults, and it's a little challenging to hold that information, I find. I need to go lie down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, that's all. That's all all I have. Okay, Um, um, so uh, maybe on a different um, register, I would like to take a quick moment to talk about the music. And sex education. Yes. I have had fuck the pain because away stuck in my head for a week. Straight. 
Yes. <laughs> um, lots of Ezra Furman. This soundtrack is hopping. Um, in 2019, when it came out, I know that for my girlfriend and I, it was like as soon as we get into like Sunday, like let's kind of put her around the house day. It was just like let's just put on the soundtrack. Very indie, uh, slightly alternative, uh, but really danceable and pleasurable. Mm-hmm. I find and. All of it is good. Like there are very, it's it's very rare. Like I think this show and maybe Grey's Anatomy are the only ones where I'm like the music is just always perfect. Mm-hmm. Like there is there 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 are no tracks where I'm like ooh like something could have been better. And yes, I am a bit snobby. Um, it's okay. I deal with it. You can deal with it too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I find that the music is really apropos. Uh, there's a nice diversity in it as mm-hmm. well. Like I think, uh, you know, Eric in, in in Nigeria, there's some great music at that point as well. And yeah. Yeah. It's a really good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I have to. Yeah, I, even I, if you're not a TV person, just get that, like plug into the soundtrack People have been putting it on Spotify or like whatever on Apple Music, but like literally, it's great music to take a walk. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned the Grey's Anatomy soundtrack, and this is a side note, but like, how do you think Snow Patrol feels knowing that they wrote the death song? Because every time you really hear chasing cars, on, they're very rich, is how they feel, right? That is exactly what yeah, I was going to say. Feel really they feel rich. like capitalism has <laughs> really paid out for them. Because every yeah. time I hear Chasing Cars now, and probably for the rest of my life, I'm like, oh shit, someone's going to die. Someone's about to die. Someone's probably someone die. I care about. <laughs> um, they did write the death song. I think that's okay. My my partner was once at a wedding where the bride walked down the aisle to Chasing Cars. No. And they were like, this person has not watched Grey's Anatomy. No. Oh, that's a faux pas. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, it's a choice, I guess. Yeah. Um. So generally, folks, I think uh, if you haven't gotten it, this show is excellent. Just watch it. I don't know how else to say this. You will enjoy it. You will laugh. You will also cry. You will long for a beautiful, enormous house in the British countryside <sighs> with a wraparound porch. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I'm like, maybe I should be a therapist. And then I'm like, I don't think all therapists are actually that wealthy. I think she had a best-selling book with her Uh (laughs) ex-husband. Yeah. But one can dream. One can dream. And we didn't even talk about wealth. And the dynamics of wealth are actually very well handled as well. Yes. Um, And uh, especially in the most recent season, um, as somebody who, like very often had to be like no I can't take that opportunity my family does not have the money as a like so-called gifted teen um it was really nice to see that anyway it's a good show you should watch it you should enjoy it yeah it's available on Netflix uh watch it tell us tell us how you feel about it maybe mm-hmm. share some uh, share your favorite episode with us uh on social media do that tag us let us know we want to know um also let us know mm-hmm. how you feel about these occasional media reviews because we're branching out a little bit and it's very nice for us and we hope it's also very nice for you yeah yeah all right shall we wrap this up thanks for listening to yeah 
If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at yapodcast, and individually, I'm at caddy underscore d. And I'm at tepperbear. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Rashi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Megan Jane, Emily Patton, and Emmett Cameron, Maddie and Maddie Dever. I missed that one. If you would like to become our patron, please do. Um, we are revamping our Patreon offerings mm-hmm. right now to make it more um, collaborative. Sexy. More, more <laughs> sexy. It's going to be sexy. It's going to be a sexy Patreon. Uh, and you can get in on the action for as little as a dollar US a month, which is like one seventy-five Canadian. <laughs> we have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tea Public. You can also always support us for free. This actually goes a really long way by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who loves sex education, because you probably have at least two. Definitely. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefra Jemian. That's me, and edited by Tom Zalatni. Hi, Tom, as part of the Upford Network. Uh, you can hear Caddy on No Bad Food Pod with Tom in the coming week, and you should keep an yeah. ear out for that. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at UpfordNetwork.com. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi. I'm Anthony Giorgio, host and producer of Queer Teen Podcast. Queer Teen Podcast encourages the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Listen, learn, and love as you get to know the next queer youth leaders of the world. Queer Teen Podcast celebrates, elevates, and narrates how the LGBTQ community uses our voices to tell our stories. You can find Queer Teen Podcasts on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else to get your podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe today. And don't forget to listen, learn, and love. I'm Tom Zalatni, host and producer of the No Bad Food Podcast, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or right here on the Upford Network.